Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to find freedom from the shame and pressure of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode with Lynn Wilder and Joel Grote as they and their guests share personal stories and wisdom from the Bible that just might surprise you. We invite you to experience a grace that heals. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Unveiling Grace podcast. I am Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And soon after Mike and I left Mormonism and kind of were figuring things out doctrinally, Mike and I wrote a book called Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism. And I don't think, Joel, that we've ever kind of looked at these seven reasons. So I thought in the next two episodes, this one and the next, we'd kind of look at reasons why people leave Mormonism and what makes Mormonism so offensive to Christians. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, the book is amazing. It's a, not a really big book. It is so full of content and you're right. I don't think we've ever worked yeah. through those. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are watching on video, Lynn just held it up. <laughs> so yeah, these seven reasons why you guys left. And I think what people will be struck with is the fact that these are not like superficial, incidental, non-important reasons. These are things that go right to the fundamental beliefs, both of the Mormon religious system. And they also go right to contradicting key biblical teachings. So, yeah. Yeah, let's <laughs> get into this. Well, the first one, the listeners probably won't be too surprised about. And that is certainly the idea that Mormonism teaches that the Book of Mormon is perfect, right? Uh, the most correct book on the face of the earth, but that yes. the Bible's not really reliable because it's sometimes mistranslated. Um, that is of a huge offense to Christians. And this is why it's offensive to Christians, because the authority for a Christian is the word of God. Right. The authority is Jesus himself, and his words are written down in the Bible, and they're evidential and reliable to a Christian. Right. And the Bible itself, or the biblical writers, make claim that what is there came from the Holy Spirit. So what is there is inspired. It's God-breathed. And so even though God used human instruments to produce it, it is the very breath of God channeled through human instruments to record what he wanted to be known about him, about us, about salvation. And so yet to undercut that, to say, oh, God's given us his word, but he, he wasn't able to preserve it. He wasn't able to keep it from being corrupted or that people who claim to be followers of God intentionally sabotaged the meaning or took out many plain and precious things. Yeah, that's not only a slap into the face to historic biblical Christianity, it's a slap in the face of the God who provided his word for us. Thank you, Joel, because one of the big things that hit me when I finally got challenged by my son to read the New Testament and I started to do so was, whoa, this God is big, right? This yeah. God has produced a Bible that yes. was written over 15, almost 1600 years by 40 different authors 
66 books and it has the same message. It's consistent. You know, people like to say, well, oh, the God of the Old Testament, he was angry, a moral monster. And the God of the New Testament is kind of almost effeminate, nice and kind. No, the God of the yeah. Bible is consistent. Jesus is the God of the Bible, and he is consistent from Genesis to Revelation. From Genesis to Revelation, you have judgment and you have mercy. And yes. those two interplay in a Christian's life. So to say that the Bible's not reliable is basically saying your God's not able to keep his word together. He's a little God. Let's look at some of these quotes, Joe. Yeah, you've got this fascinating series of quotes from, from Mormon leaders. And and again, from what I've seen, most of these aren't like really old Mormon leaders from a couple hundred years ago. You've got quotes from leaders from the last 15, 20, 30 years, um, names that most LDS people are going to recognize as their prophets and apostles. Well, they're prophets, they're, they're primary leaders. Well, certainly Joseph Smith founded the Mormon church in 1830 by publishing the Book of Mormon and then organizing this church. And he always said the Book of Mormon was the most correct of any book on earth. In fact, it says that in the front of the Book of Mormon and the keystone of our religion. And a man would get nearer to God by abiding by the precepts of the Book of Mormon than any other book. That means... <laughs> The Bible as well. Um, right. The Book of Mormon trumps the Bible. So uh, I found this from Ezra Taft Benson. Do you want to read this for us? This one really surprised me. Yeah. Um, just because in all the years that I've spent researching, studying, investigating Mormonism, talking to Mormon leaders, I had never seen this quote. So, yeah. So Ezra Taft Benson. Um, Here's what he was said. Was a prophet in yes. the 90s, maybe? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, he had this to say. There will be more people saved in the kingdom of God 10,000 times over because of the Book of Mormon than there will be because of the Bible. So, Whoa. so what, what he's saying is, okay, so if the Bible causes a thousand people to be saved. Uh, the Book of Mormon will cause 10,000 people to be saved. Um, so it's, it's that much more radically powerful, that much more salvific, which to me, the first time I read this, I thought this is so intriguing because what does he even mean by that? I mean, I know what he means. The Book of Mormon is going to be a greater instrument for bringing people to salvation. But if you understand LDS salvation, and how you get it and how it's laid out. The Book of Mormon can't by itself provide salvation, not eternal life, not eternal life in the presence of Heavenly Father, because for that, you've got to have all the temple works. You've got to have obedience. You've got to have membership in the Mormon church and all that goes along with that. So and the new and everlasting covenant, which comes from the doctrine and covenants. And how many Mormons are there? I mean, the LDS church says about 16 million, right? Right. And I'm how sure many and that's Bible very, that's followers are there traditional Christians 
two billion at this right. point, a third of the world. So how is it that the Book of Mormon is going to have more power to save more people than the Bible? The yeah. Bible is still the number one selling book down through the ages. It sold more books than any other book. Yeah. I don't believe that's the case for the Book of Mormon. Yeah. And, and at this point, there's no way it can be the case unless, because you can't become a member of the Mormon church unless you accept that the Book of Mormon is true. And so unless their membership, unless they get 10,000 times over the billions of people that have come to faith in Christ because of the Bible, this, this is a false prophecy. It, it just, it can't happen. Yeah, unless he's thinking about all those people who are dead who are going to join the Mormon church, but that's a lot of temple ordinances somebody has to do. Right. And wow. again, that won't be because of the Book of Mormon, because the Book of Mormon does not talk about those temple ordinances. That's something that the Book of Mormon isn't even really connected to. So anyway, fascinating quote. Do you have another one um, related yeah, to the, the Book of Mormon? Yeah, the next one also comes from the 90s from the first presidency which means the prophet and um, the prophet's counselors the most reliable way to measure the accuracy of any biblical passage in a minute we're going to talk about how christians measure the accuracy of yes. biblical passages most reliable way to measure the accuracy of any biblical passage according to the mormon prophet is not by comparing different texts, but by comparing the Bible with the Book of Mormon and modern day revelation. So only when the Bible lines up with what the prophet says or what the Book of Mormon says, is it true? Which is interesting because Mormon prophets change their mind all the time. Yeah, I was going to say, there have been so many revelations down through time, important ones where um, you take, well, you take the revelation that Brigham Young gave about Adam being our God, something that he taught for well over 50 years, preached it from the pulpit. And you have, and I can't remember if it was Ezra Taft Benson or it was his predecessor, who finally, because as this information came out and was exposed and it was documented, came out and said, uh, this is a false theory. This is false doctrine. Mm. And yet it came from Brigham Young, the second president. So, yeah. The one the universities are all named after, right? Uh, right. The one who speaks for God. Uh, wow. So, Let's pull this out of the Book of Mormon. I'm not even sure I was consciously aware of this when I was Mormon. But but first Nephi 13, that whole chapter is all about how basically the Christians corrected um, corrupted the yes. Bible. Mm -hmm. So Mormons will tell me that uh, men got together at the Council of Nicaea in about 325, and they decided what went into the Bible and what didn't go into the Bible, and they made up the Trinity, and they did whatever they thought would be best to keep people coming into their religion, right? Well, it actually says that in the Book of Mormon, that there are many 
plain and precious things taken out of the Bible. And because of these things which are taken out, well, who did that? The people who belong to the abominable church, which is to them the Catholic church, or they consider that the original Christian church. Um, and because of the things that are taken out of the gospel of the Lamb, and exceedingly great many, so that would be the traditional Christians, do stumble, yea, insomuch that Satan has great power over them. That's from the Book of Mormon. Right. So you have the Book of Mormon, one, undermining the authority and the reliability of the Bible, and then you have it turning around and in this very same breath saying, and anyone who does put their faith in the Bible, anyone who, who rejects the Book of Mormon, they're under Satan's power. They're basically being influenced by him. So this is why when Mormons will ask, and I've, I've had them ask me multiple times, so why won't you accept me as a Christian brother? Why won't you accept you know, me and my faith and our whole religious system as a Christian religion? It, we're called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. One of my answers always goes back to their own scripture, the Book of Mormon that says, well, it's because your own scripture undermines the foundational scripture of Christianity. Uh, the Book of Mormon not only undermines the confidence, um, it undermines the reliability, it undermines the content. Um, it makes fun of people who do who believe in the Bible. And, and when you do the research, you find out the Book of Mormon came through um, occultism. It comes through Joseph Smith putting a stone in a hat and getting a special ability to read words off a stone that he dictates that that becomes the Book of Mormon. I, that's that's a type of magic occultism that's actually forbidden in the Bible in Deuteronomy. And so I say those things combined make it so I I can't accept the Book of Mormon. And I don't understand why you do. Well, and we won't beat this dead horse because we have other things to look at, but there's certainly overwhelming evidence for the Bible. I would suggest that listeners go to some of the other um, podcasts that we've done on the reliability of the Bible. Some wonderful pastors have run down why the Bible is reliable. The one last thing I'll say is that um, Mormons say that the Book of Mormon and the Bible are two sticks in one hand from Ezekiel 37. Yes. And because the Bible has all this secular historical evidence, um, uh, maps, prophecies, fulfilled prophecies, archaeological, manuscript evidence, linguistic evidence, all this evidence for the Bible, I often say to Mormons, so if these are two sticks in one hand and God gave the Bible overwhelming scientific evidence so that people could trust it, what scientific evidence do you have to prove the Book of Mormon? And how could the same God have two sticks in one hand, give one overwhelming evidence and the other none? Right. In fact, the evidence actually runs contrary to the historic or geographical claims that you see being made. So, and that's something yeah. where we don't, and that's something where, you know, if there are Christians listening, we're not giving you this information so you can debate Mormons or you, seek, right. or so you can bait them or put them down. What we're giving you this information once. So you're informed about how the claims of the LDS church simply don't stack up. They don't measure up to reality, but also 
So you can simply encourage LDS people to do the research on their own, to research the Bible, to go ahead and research the Book of Mormon. And, and, and that's what we want to do also. Um, so if for the LDS people who are listening and going, wait, I, I mean, I'm not familiar with that, or I take issue with that. All we would want to say is go ahead and go ahead and do the research uh, because there's so much out there. Like I say, we've done a number of podcasts on biblical reliability, manuscript evidence. And if people just do a search on that, they can find those. So, yeah. So the second one kind of um, flows from the first, which is, wait, God changes. Revelation is an ongoing process. No, here's how Christians see it. Um, the Bible's reliable. It tells God's story. It tells the story of salvation or exaltation and eternal life. And in the Old Testament, God spoke to prophets and they spoke for God. But yep. Jesus himself said in Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets were until John the Baptist. He said John was the greatest uh, prophet and that he was the last great prophet, capital P prophet. Jesus right. himself said that. Why do we not need a prophet? Because Jesus came to earth and spoke for himself. He wasn't just earning his godhood at the time. He was God. Right. He came here as God. He spoke as God and people wrote his words down. They are reliable and there's no need for someone else to speak for him if he already spoke for himself. Right. Which is why it's so important for anybody who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't care if you're Mormon or Muslim or Buddhist or Christian. If you claim to follow Jesus, if you claim to value him and what he said, then your primary source for that information are the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And you should be spending as much time as you possibly can immersing yourself in watching Jesus, watching him encounter people, what he said, what he taught, because it's all there. And it's amazing when you start getting into what Jesus said and taught, how much of that starts really rubbing up against Mormonism and actually going against what later Mormon, Mormon leaders said. But you've got to immerse yourself in that um, to actually find it there. And, and I was going to say, Jesus said that in Luke about himself, but then you have the writer of Hebrews saying pretty much the same thing that um, in the beginning, in early times, in the aforementioned mm -hmm. times, God spoke to us through his prophets, prophets. but in right. these latter days, he's spoken to us through the son. Yeah. So God has, God has now himself spoken. So where he has, he used human spokespeople that were fallen, they were broken. Um, mm -hmm. They, they, gave us what God wanted us to have in this last day. He does one better. He speaks himself through his own son. And so at what point could any revelation that now comes from, again, a fallen prophetic finite man, how could that ever take the place or be better than the words of prophecy, than the speaking that God's done through Jesus as a son? You, you, you can't get any better than that. Well, and the reason that the Mormon church has to teach that, right, goes to authority. Either God himself, the God of the Bible, is the authority, or the head of the Mormon church is the authority as a living prophet with a new word, right, uh, that changes. Right. The Bible's very clear. God does not change. 
he's been the same and will be from eternity to eternity. Here's an interesting quote from Harold B. Lee. Let's go to this one. The president of the church is the only man on the earth authorized by God to go beyond or add to the scriptures. Well, that's kind of convenient if you're the prophet and you're telling (laughs) people that you're the only person on the earth that's authorized by God and that you can go beyond the scriptures and that you can add to the scriptures. That's scary to a Christian. Right. And, And that's, I think, something that our LDS friends, I think, have a hard time grasping because especially if they grew up within the LDS religious system, they are so used to this idea that Revelation is fluid, it's ongoing. There really is no absolute truth that's true for all ages, all times, all people, all circumstances, because at any point, the LDS prophet can totally do away with a previous revelation, change it, add to it, say the exact opposite, and he has every right to do that. And that is so much the norm for those within the LDS system that I don't think they understand the precariousness of that and the fact that you really no longer have any absolute truth. If anyone who happens to step into that role of prophet can now go beyond and add to what's there. And as we've seen, he could even say something that somebody else has said is wrong and is false doctrine. So there is no safe, secure foundation for truth within the LDS system. At any point, anything that's been taught could be overturned, refuted, changed, and to, to me, that would be scary. Um, yeah, and why even have scripture? In fact, Mormon scripture has changed, right? What was taught in the Book of Mormon is very different often and opposite what was taught in the Doctrine and Covenants. And Joseph Smith right. taught something almost Christian-like in the Book of Mormon, right? And then right. he'd say the exact opposite a few years later right. in the Doctrine and Covenants. Why even have scripture? How can you trust that at all in the right. Mormon church? And, and this is something that even early Mormons struggled with because David Whitmer, who was one of the witnesses of the Book of Mormon, one of Joseph's closest followers, later in life when Joseph started doing this, when he started taking revelations that he'd already given, And he started like adding to those. Um, He'd release them again with more stuff added or he'd change things that were part of it. David Whitmer was troubled and said, wait a second, if this was scripture, what are you doing like adding to it? And he actually got to the point where he had to consider Joseph um, a fallen prophet. So this isn't anything that's new. This has troubled people who had a high regard for scripture and had a high regard for God's ability to speak from even the very beginning of of Mormonism. Because it's a little scary, that almost just gives you a cult leader, right? Someone at the top with complete authority to to switch everything, to change the rules, and to tomorrow you might not be saved, you know, because the rules yeah, there is. And so what that ends up being is that there is no accountability. There is no outside source by which you can begin to judge truth or nor for sure if you have the truth, because tomorrow um, it could all change. And it's a it's a very precarious social and spiritual position to be in to be forced to say, well, I just have to go along with whatever the prophet is revealing, because there's been way too many 
episodes in history where people have done that and the results have been have been tragic so yeah any um we've covered two we're already close to the end so we need to let people know what we're going to do in the next episode what's so what's the next one coming up so the next one is called god is progressing and so are you we're going to talk about eternal progression what that means in mormonism and how a christian would see that here is a quote from milton r hunter who was uh, a member of the he was a 70. yeah the ultimate goal of eternal progression is to receive eternal life and to become as god is okay well and that's the goal so that's what we're going to look at next time we'll start in with that one and we'll see how many more we get through um, but yeah so this is our for those of you who are just joining us maybe at the end or wondering this is our series on the seven reasons why lynn and mike wilder left mormonism as a system and why they had issues with the lds religious system not being christian or biblically based and and these are things that should trouble both Christians and Mormons as well. And if you have questions on some of these issues, you can go to YouTube and go to the John Ankerberg show. Um, there are probably 50 videos, short videos that answer some of these questions with Mike and myself and Sandra Tanner from uh, about 10 years ago. Oh, cool. Okay. All right. Look forward to the next time, Joel. Grace and peace to you. Until next time, Lynn, so long. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We would love to hear how the podcast has helped you. We are so grateful for you, our listeners, and the donations that keep us on the air. To say thank you, we are offering a free gift with a donation of any amount. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free gift button to get yours. Thanks for joining us on the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.